So I think with tiredness, it's like the intolerable aspect of it, that can be separated from the whatever real thing of tiredness there is. And that can actually be welcomed. So the things that go against us can be fully embraced. And the more we're in the habit of doing that, in fact, the better our mood gets and the better our energy levels get in just ordinary life. So you might not feel great now, but if you embrace it, open yourself to it, welcome it, reframe it, you end up being able to get a bounce from it later on. Before we get started, if you enjoy these episodes, you might want to explore more at OptimalWork.com. Our website offers unique content, tools, and exercises to help you thrive at work and beyond. We have an in-depth masterclass which covers our entire theory of growth. We have daily recommendations for personalized advice, and we have a platform to help groups and organizations learn and practice optimal work together. You can get a free trial at OptimWork.com. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hey, this is Sharif here with another episode of the Optimal Work Podcast, joined by Dr. Kevin Majors. Kevin, great to be back here with you after a little bit of a break. Yeah, Sharif, great to be back. Yeah, Kevin, well, it's uh, it's a new year, as you know, 2024, and uh, that leads me to form resolutions for how I can be better. I'm sure many people are doing the same thing. And uh, one of them, one of the things I was trying to work on was tiredness in the afternoon and just feeling like work slackens up a little bit. Maybe I start to really want to take a nap and I really you know, don't want to take a nap. Uh, so, uh, so I've been thinking a lot about that and then I kind of how to track my progress and how to, set, how to like track my goals, you know, how to do goal setting. So I was wondering if I could get your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. Where would you like to start? Yeah, so, well, one thing is that in the past I've used habit tracking apps. So basically mm -hmm. the idea here is that you put in the thing that you want to do every day, or maybe you say, I only want to do it on weekdays. And then every day you log in and you check off, did you do it or did you not do it? And then it's kind of tracking over time. Are you getting better at performing this habit or this action, I should say? Uh, so what do you think of that? Is that helpful? Should I use that? Like, okay, I didn't take a nap today. Didn't take a nap today. Oh, I gave in and took a nap mm -hmm. today. I didn't take a nap today. Yeah. Like, is that a helpful way of approaching building this habit? Uh, it's, it's a good question. It, it seems to turn constancy into an outcome. So that what we really want is for people to grow more constant. Now, I happen to know in your case that you were quite sick for a week, and I think that's where the whole nap business came in. Yes, that's true. Right. And so sometimes but you're still- But it becomes still, a like, habit, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So your, your body does get used to it. Uh, and I think that um, we want to do things because we are developing a greater and greater attraction to the ideal. Ideals are what give us energy. And, the, and you cannot separate. And if there's like one lesson you can take from the entire um, literature on willpower, it's that you can't separate energy and motivation. Like energy and motivation just go together so closely. And we, we want to be motivated by ideals. So any kind of tracking, it could play a role. 
if it helps people come up with strategies. So you would want it to be a pro strategy thing that you're doing by keeping track of something. That way, if you can see like, oh, I'm actually having like not a great run here. What is it? Well, oh, it's because I'm not setting a stop time for this activity. So it keeps running over and that's just throwing me off. Well, that kind of, that, that to me is really helpful. Anything that helps you to be curious, uh, to learn from mistakes, or just to learn from things not going as you had hoped, that's great. But you don't want it to become an outcome where like, oh, now I'm being motivated by the streak and not wanting to have the violation effect instead of just actually like liking the better habit. Okay, so so it's okay to track the habits, or I don't know. Okay, it's it can be good to track the habits, yeah. As long as you're approaching it with a mindset of curiosity and seeing it almost as like data collection. So, yeah. okay, I had a good run here, you know, being curious, what was I doing, what worked, and then if you notice you miss a couple of days in a row, hopefully you know you're not doing that napping in the middle of the workday. But if you do, mm -hmm. then you start to say, okay, what. What was the common thread there? What happened? Was I eating a big lunch or what was it? Yeah. So you can be, um, if it leads to some kind of healthy problem solving, so you're thinking through, okay, what could make this easier? Is there any way I could approach this that would get easier with practice? That's what you want to like aim for. Things that get easier. Things, is there a difficulty here that will gradually habituate? Okay, then what would it take for it to habituate the most smoothly? You know, and then I'm just going to practice acceptance of that. So you could say if a person were completely accepting of the feeling of being tired, would they take a nap to get rid of it? Well, if there's a health reason or if someone who's, you know, women who have just had a baby, well, absolutely. You want them to sleep as much as they can. So there are, there are instances where it's perfectly good. And, and people should actually um, listen to their body. But then you can also make a judgment like, is my body asking for more than it really needs? And in that case, how do I retrain myself? And that's, a, that's, a different, that's a different question. Then tiredness needs to be welcomed as a sign of progress. Before we continue, a brief message. If you're benefiting from these discussions, please hit like and subscribe to our channel. Doing so helps us reach more people. So you're not just learning yourself, you're helping others discover a path to growth and flourishing too. Thanks so much for your support. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, okay, so that kind of leads into the second method of goal tracking that I wanted to also get your thoughts on. All right. And so this was motivated by in the coaching class, which is uh, one of our courses on optionwork.com about how to mentor other people, how to coach other people. Uh, you talk about that it's really important when you're encouraging people, helping them to reframe the challenges that they face, that you help them identify the trajectory of growth. So you help them to see, okay, what's going to get easier and easier with this challenge over time? So mm -hmm. in the case of tiredness, I would think that, okay, as I struggle with tiredness, maybe on day one, I'm really tired in the afternoon. But then if I don't give in, then on day two, I should be a little bit less tired. Like maybe it's, it was a mm -hmm. 10 on day one, maybe day two, it goes down to an eight. And then day yep. three, it goes down to a six and then a four and then a two. And then by within a week, you know, I don't feel tired in the afternoon at all. So that's kind of how yeah. what I'm hoping will happen. Is it helpful to track that, like to make a spreadsheet and kind of rate my tiredness each day? I would be suspicious of it 
Okay, let me give it like a counter example. Um, what if someone is having trouble getting out of bed the moment their alarm first sounds? Would you want them raiding their tiredness as soon as they get out of bed? bed? Oh, while or while in they're bed. in bed. Yeah. I would say no because you want them to get out of bed. <laughs> so <if laughs> yeah. You, any way, waiting in bed, you know, raiding is time that they're delaying the important act of jumping out of bed. Yeah. But and maybe so that's not exactly. How useful then is the tiredness metric when a person first wakes up in the morning? Mm -hmm. Not at all, right? Yeah. yeah that's what I would think. It seems to me that um, I feel like I've gone decades never asking myself when I when the alarm goes off, how tired do I feel? I think if I were to ask myself that question right when the alarm goes off, it would be a it would be like it would be like putting weights on oneself, you know, because you know that if you start getting really sensitized to the feeling of tiredness, so that you're always aware of how large it is that well you're going to notice it more and more and it's going to be more likely to have a dragging effect on your on your behavior but like when you get out of bed in the morning if you just jump out of bed the moment when you're on for sounds it's never easier than that very first second and it's twice as hard in the second second and twice as hard in the third it's like something exponential that, that grows i think uh so you just want to get out of bed instantly when it's easy. Well, I think there must be some kind of comparison then. Like, is it good to check your tiredness at any point in the day? Or does the very act of measuring it potentially set you up for a vicious cycle? Now, in that sense, everything I think what it all comes down to is your actual framing of tiredness. Like, are you trying to check your tiredness level, say early afternoon? Um, as if this is something really bad you're make, you want to make go away. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that may would not be, be yeah. That now, would for be instance, exactly say you're it, in a yeah. new job. Yeah, like if, like, you know, if, uh, so if I um, were starting a new job, let's say running an emergency room in a major hospital, it's probably not that helpful for me to check my anxiety level repeatedly throughout each shift. It's not, it's probably not helpful the first week because you're just going to have so much adrenaline and everything's going to be crazy. It's probably not helpful the second. It's like at, what, at some point, maybe it's helpful, but there are these transitions where it's bad. You know, it's, you don't need, as long as it's not impacting your performance, you know, as long as like in that case, as long as I'm trying to, you know, reframe the anxiety just as adrenaline that's going to help me, then I'm doing all that I need to. So with tiredness, then what's left once you've reframed it? So I'm not sure is anything that real. It's not like an anxiety, which is adrenaline. Um, and there's some kind of real thing there. You know, and so I'm not sure with tiredness, is there actually anything real there to actually be reframed? Yeah. 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 So, uh, okay. I guess w one thread here that I'm picking up on is that it's not all that useful to be measuring and tracking and kind of observing yourself. But the the much more important thing is that when you do, if you do feel tired, that you kind of embrace it and yeah. embrace the challenge that it's presenting to you. Yes. And you have to ask yourself, how can I use it to grow? 
how can the tiredness bring out the best in me? So, and there are these virtues that can be like hard to directly grow in that tiredness gives us a window into. For instance, constancy. So tiredness is a fantastic way of building this quality in oneself of constancy. Order, well, you can you can like work on order in your in your day just by putting, you know, a schedule together, having to-do lists, you know, turning each hour into some steps so that you know how you can go through. Um, and intensity, well, you practice that directly with mindfulness. But constancy is hard to practice immediately. Like, okay, right now I'm just gonna sit down, close my eyes, and practice constancy. I would say though, like when you're actually really tired, you are doing that. So it gives you this immediate way of practicing constancy. Maybe another even higher virtue than that is generosity. So tiredness can add a kind of luster to any action. That if you're doing it for love, for, you know, for another person, you know, then it's even more generous love if you do it while you're tired. So parents taking care of young children, you know, they're, they're tired all the time. But boy, it does some wonders to making them selfless and generous. So there, it's, a, it's an incredible forming tool. So you can see that like, you know, their, their, their life can be this wonderful training ground and, and how to, you know, to forget about oneself, to be generous in serving the needs of the, the least among us. So, and so that all applies to young kids yeah. as an example. Yeah. So that's a great example. And okay. It, then it raises this other question about how do you reframe these things? And I think it's something that we're, we're making an, also a course on anxiety that should be, you know, up on optimwork.com in the future. Um, so we're mm -hmm. ex excited to be working on that, wrapping that up and releasing it. Um, but no pressure. Thing, okay. No pressure. Yeah. No, no, no pressure. I didn't mention a date. Uh, so <laughs> there's no dead specific deadline we committed to. Uh, exactly. So, but, um, Okay, when you're reframing anxiety, and I think it applies also to tiredness, one way to experience is, okay, if I really accept this anxiety and embrace it and like, you know, then it'll be less the next time. Because that's one of the yeah. promises kind of that, that we make. So that's almost like reframing the anxiety, but still in some way maintaining a negative frame of the anxiety itself. Exactly, so it's conditional. We're trying to, yeah, we're trying to help people get past that and with anxiety you're talking about okay to see this as an opportunity to perform at your best to love and serve other people and yeah. i guess what we're saying also with tiredness is that too so, so it's kind of getting away from this idea of growth almost it seems like well just or changing yeah. the notion of i don't know if you could speak to that a little bit yeah so you have to wonder anything that you're doing to manage tiredness is it anti-tiredness? Is like, are you trying to push down on the feeling of tiredness within you? Or like if you yourself were a graph of tiredness and imagine, okay, now my tiredness is a six. Are you trying to get it to a five or a four? So, well, there are some things that people can do. Obviously, caffeine, you know, is, is something that, that helps people get through tiredness. But I think that tiredness itself doesn't necessarily mean that your performance on anything you're doing will be impaired. There's been a lot of research into this. Uh, this gets into, just to mention, one of the Pandora's boxes you could ever mention in any context psychological, ego depletion. 
No, so people have like read the research. It's just a mess. So not only are the studies of ego depletion, what that means is if you do some task that where self-control is required, like you eat radishes instead of cookies, you have to keep, you know, you can't eat the cookies, but you can eat the radishes. You're always saying no to the cookies. And then you go do some other task that you will do worse on that other task if you really had to like say no to cookies. This is the original idea of ego depletion, which is the same as all, all, it's basically in the literature, it's the same as fatigue. So if you look on like willpower fatigue or just in general fatigue, um, they use the same kinds of studies to see what is it that, uh, you know, I don't know about um, that, that causes, you know, that they're asking this question, what is it that causes ego depletion and how do we fix it? And they came up with this idea, well, maybe glucose. So you have sugary things. Oh yeah, sure enough, it fixes ego depletion. But none of those studies are reproducible. They've been studied now enormously for the, in the past 30 years. You know, and there, if there is an effect size, it's tiny. So it looks like ego depletion has been disproven. Unfortunately, the main studies that initially disproved it also have not been replicated. So it's just a total mess. But what seems to be pretty clear is that if people believe that being tired will impact their performance, it is more likely to impact their performance. And if they believe it's irrelevant, it's irrelevant. And there are these weird studies from uh, that showed that if people believe that you actually, when you're tired, just because you've been working at your best, it actually is associated with better performance. So its effect on your performance is really a function of the frame you have of tiredness. The more you have a positive frame, you know, and so that means you greet it with curiosity, like, okay, well, with compassion, meaning it makes sense. You have to like let your tiredness make sense. Okay. Then you can you can see it as as as, as a good thing. Or, you know, it's like, okay, this is just a sign that, you know, my yeah, perhaps my body needs more sleep. Um, you know, there are, uh, so I think there is this sense that it's hard to find anything real that you can really pinpoint with tiredness. Like when you feel like you don't have energy, does your body actually have less energy? If we could put you into an fMRI machine that could measure total body energy, would it be less? I'm almost positive the answer is no. Right. It'd be, yeah. Actually, I've had times where I'm, I feel tired and then I, okay, I'll, I'll just do my run right now. And it's, yeah, it's fine. It goes fine. Yeah. Exactly. And people tend to feel most tired in the morning, mm -hmm. but that's when and you have the definitely rested. the most energy. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it doesn't seem like there's any really clear, um, you know, like physical thing, unlike anxiety, which is beautiful because you have adrenaline and it's measurable. So that's why I love working with anxiety. It's just so clear what you're reframing. Is the adrenaline you're reframing? But when it comes to tiredness, it's harder to tell what exactly is it. If you can point though to a sleep deficit, oh, wonderful. I think that people generally don't give themselves enough time for sleep. You want enough hours scheduled for it so that you don't feel rushed to get to sleep. But there's also this opposite thing where if people start to have a phobia of tiredness, then they can get more greedy for sleep. 
And that itself can make it harder to fall asleep because you're like really wanting to hurry up and get as much sleep as you can. So you want to combine this thing of if you're habitually tired, then take it as something to be curious about, to learn from it. Associate it with, for instance, diet. If you eat really bad food and you feel tired, that's a great association to make. And if you eat really healthy, nourishing food and you feel less tired, that's a great association. Like, that's, that's, that's the kind of thing. If you have fewer carbs, you know, or fewer at least, um, you know, things with, you know, with a lower glycemic index, so they're just less likely to go immediately into your, into your bloodstream, and then you feel less tired, great. So you want, you want to make associations. Usually we can learn from our tiredness. Yeah. Okay. Actually, just earlier, um, I like the idea of learning from your tiredness. And uh, er, earlier you also mentioned um, adrenaline and that you can, re or anxiety and that you can reframe the mm -hmm. adrenaline. And we recently did an episode on cravings where you talked about reframing the cravings. You can actually flip it into a good thing. Um, yeah. Now, you just kind of mentioned that maybe with tiredness, since it's not actually, there isn't actually a real biological basis for mm -hmm. it, that maybe you yep. can't flip it. So I just want to get clear on that. Is there a way where if you get tired, you okay. can reframe it and say, okay, now this is the perfect, this is just what I needed for blank? Yes. Okay. So the more general thing that is real when you're experiencing very great tiredness at the peak moment, when it feels most intolerable, that is called the dynorphin effect. So dynorphins are the opposite of endorphins. So the way it generally works is, if you artificially elevate your endorphins, like by taking, um, let's say heroin, don't recommend it. Uh, so what happens is you get the momentary spike in endorphins, and you get a compensating longer spike in dynorphin. After cocaine, people can have a dynorphin spike, just one-time use, and it's never been used before, they can have a dynorphin spike that lasts seven days. That means as they feel this intolerable feeling for seven days. So the dynorphins, when they're high, it feels intolerable. But if you voluntarily push up on dynorphins, then you get a compensating endorphin high the last for days. So for instance, jumping in cold water, so doing some kind of ice plunge. It's a momentary spike in that you're deliberately pushing your dynorphins way up. So it feels, and you try to stay in the cold water until it feels intolerable. And you feel like you have to get out. You get through a few waves of dynorphins and then leave. Then you have like two days of great mood. Saunas have the same dynorphin effect. So I think that being, for instance, occasionally very sleep deprived and being very tired actually means probably you're like pushing up on dynorphins. The more you welcome that and say, okay, this will end. Eventually I will get some sleep. I think you might find that you have a boost later in endorphins because you voluntarily embraced the dynorphin effect. Mm -hmm. So sorry, the the dynor. Okay, this is very interesting. Uh, the dynorphin, yeah. dynorphin. It comes basically when you do something that's bad or that you don't like. Yeah. I mean, in some okay. way mortifying. Okay, so, so anything like you do that actually feels like this real sacrifice, if it, the higher the dynorphins go, the more intolerable it feels. 
So you want to do things that don't don't that don't harm your health. But going about your ordinary life and occasionally being very tired can be fully embraced. And in fact, that would that would correlate with an endorphin push that could last days longer. Yeah, you're so you're not talking necessarily about physically painful things like i mean with the with the not cold. the damaged tissue yeah right 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 yeah. um yeah. okay i think the maybe the thing that i'll try i'm the, the claustrophobia like feeling like i'm just stuck in a very tight place and i can't move it's like so mm-hmm. should i go and like maybe go into my dresser drawer and just stay there for like 30 minutes and i think that would s- push up my that would produce it yeah. yeah you could even just imagine doing it probably have the same effect um, fasting. I know you were talking about doing a 36-hour fast. Uh, yeah, that would be definitely pushing up on dinorphins. I met I met hour two of my 36-hour fast. <laughs> no, nice. no, no, no. Okay. So, so that's that's how it, anything that you, you. So, I think with tiredness, it's like the intolerable aspect of it that can be separated from the whatever real thing of tiredness there is, and that can actually be welcomed. So the things that go against us can be fully embraced. And the more we're in a habit of doing that, in fact, the, the better our mood gets and the better our energy levels get in just ordinary life. So you might not feel great now, but if you embrace it, open yourself to it, welcome it, reframe it, you end up being able to get a bounce from it later on. Okay. Wow. And then so should I keep track every day of whether I embrace the, just to tie it back into the beginning, just to check yeah. off. <laughs> that would be something, because then it's like, uh, I fully embrace the feeling of tiredness in the light of my ideals in this, on a scale of one to 10. That could be rated. Because that's something that's in your control. Whether or not you feel tired isn't in your control. So rating it doesn't seem right for a behavior modification program. You know, But whether or not you're bringing ideals into a difficulty, well, that's in your control. And that can be... One other just thing to mention is a fascinating thing about tiredness that has been studied is, um, interestingly, the more people welcome interruptions when they arise, the less fatigue they tend to feel in general. The more people end their workday and switch it off and then don't do work in the evening, the less fatigue they feel. And those things are found, do they correlate with each other? And they all correlate with less fatigue. Just to say, there's something very interesting that the better we are at switching off work, whether it's an interruption that you give your whole attention to, and then you go back to work, or at the end of the day, you just switch it off. The better we are at doing that, the more energy in general we tend to have. So I just say, if people are often at work feeling tired, they need to see too, like, how are they at switching things off? Because the, the, the better we are at that, at least this has been found in some studies, that in general, the less tired people feel during the day. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great, Kevin. That's, uh, that's a very practical point, actually, to end on. I, I think I need to start doing that a little bit more. Um, yeah. So great, great Kevin. Well, that's, that's all we got for this week. Until next time. All right, we'll be back. Thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation and you're looking for more in-depth guidance, check out OptimalWork.com, our platform of content, tools, and exercises that will help you thrive at work and beyond. See you next week.